The Shepherd's Schedule on this edition of Truth and Love. Johnson, and you're listening to Truth and Love, a podcast of the Association of Certified Biblical Counselors, where we seek to provide biblical solutions to the problems that people face. This week on the podcast, I'm thrilled as ever to have with us Dr. Carl Hargrove. If you live on the West Coast, you're probably very familiar with him. If you've been a part of the Master's University or the Master's Seminary, you would probably be familiar with his name. I cannot wait to introduce our listeners to this brother. Tell you a little bit about him. He's married to Joanna for 29 years. Praise the Lord for that. Five children from 27 down to 18. He's an ordained minister of the gospel from Grace Community Church out in California. He pastored two churches in the South Bay area from 1994 to 2014 before returning back to Grace Community Church. He's a faculty member at the Master's Seminary and Pastoral Ministries. He's the director of Grace Advance, Grace Community's ministry to help plant and revitalize churches in North America. He's a vice president of the Master's Fellowship, And that's an international network of TMS graduates and like-minded men joined for fellowship and mutual ministry. He's a co-founder of ARC, African Revitalization Center, which seeks to support ministry training and church strengthening in Africa. He enjoys travel, hiking, experiencing various cultures, military history, and golf. Mm. Man, that, that'll be fun. Uh, Indeed. It's something I enjoy too, Carl. <laughs> and uh, and my, my oldest son is planning to attend the Master's University in the fall, and he's planning to play golf uh, oh, really? for the Mustangs. Yeah. Well, I, I need to get a tip or two from him when it comes. <laughs> well, that would that would be great. And and you know what? As a as a uh, father who lives in Kansas City, sending my son to California, he needs to spend some time with some godly men just like you, and the golf course might be a good place All to right. do it. No objections here whatsoever. <laughs> okay, that sounds good. I'll hold you to that. Listen, I am so grateful that you're here with us today to talk about this issue of shepherding the flock. And, and I want to take several angles here that I think are important, particularly in what we've come through as believers in our various churches, pastors, elders, thinking about how to shepherd the flock. And there are a lot of dimensions to that. And we're, of course, going to talk about this from an angle of soul care, biblical counseling. But pastoral ministry is certainly broader than that. And this is the place that that the ministry of the word begins is with the shepherd. So, Carl, what I'd like for you to do is just to, to talk about that. I teach at a seminary. I talk to a lot of young aspiring pastors. And the task of pastoring is daunting. When you think about all the things that, that need to be done, leading people, feeling inadequate and ill-equipped, think about just for a second, shepherding the flock. As you think about ordering your day, what are some of the things that you try to instill into young seminary students as far as time and how to think through what our responsibility is to shepherd the flock of God? Oh, what a great question. So absolutely imperative that we answer that. Because here's why. And you asked, what are some of the things I say to younger pastors? One thing is this, when it comes to shepherding the flock, shepherd your soul, your soul. You must be healthy, a healthy shepherd, if you're going to, in one sense, pour your life into them. Because that's a part of shepherding. So one of the first things that a shepherd must do is be engaged with the living God personally, intimately, consistently. And and if that can happen, then 
through that intimate relationship, you're gaining wisdom and insight and, and spiritual stamina because the ministry requires that. It's a joy. <laughs> it really is. But it is tiring. And for a pastor who is not tired, he's not pastoring. And I would say for a pastor who doesn't have joy, he's not pastoring. But I would say for also for that pastor who has never experienced moments where he is fighting a fight, then he's not pastoring because it is a battle. But it's a battle that is unlike, better stated, not unlike that of our Lord's. The joys that he had of caring for people, the battles that he had with the religiously lost, but yet he did what? He took care of his soul, if you will. Though he is God incarnate, he spent time with his father, often going away to pray to him. So I would say the first thing that the the pastor must do, the, the leader must do, is to take care of their soul so that they have something if you will, to give to others. And that's what we're doing even when we are counseling others. We're saying, let me give you this wisdom. Let me give you this insight. Here's some life experience. And at times we can distinguish between empathizing with a person. We've been there. I've experienced it. And brother or sister, here is my advice. Or at times we sympathize. I've not been there. But here are the principles that can still guide you in this moment in your life experience. Those are some critical ideas, Carl. And I want to, I want to break some of this down because I think it's so important for us to, to sort through some of these. I know when I talk to my students in counseling, one of the most important things I tell them is, is how the word must dwell in them richly. Mm. And when they walk into the counseling room, if they've allowed the Lord by his word and his spirit to infect and be saturated in their hearts and the peace of Christ is ruling in their hearts, they are convinced that the, that the word is powerful to do work in their own life. And it breeds a confidence in the counseling room that this word of God, if it could change me, then it can change the person sitting across from me. And I think... When you're preaching, it's much the same. The way that you preach a passage is different when that passage has gripped you, when you have studied the Word and you've seen yourself even be conformed in this way to what the passage is describing. You teach it and preach it differently with confidence. And I want to talk about this. I have a lot of young seminary students, as I mentioned, young pastors listening to this, even to the layperson who sits in the pews. And sometimes they may wonder, well, this guy only stands up on Sunday uh, he works one day a week, right? <laughs> sure. <laughs> um, help my young seminary students and then pull the veil back for some lay people, a little bit of insight into what does a typical you know, week look like in managing time for a pastor who's shepherding his flock? Oh, that's really important. And sometimes people will kid and they'll say, well, you only work one day a week. I'm not sure why you're so tired. I wish I had the gig that you have. Well, walk in my shoes for a week, and I think you may retract that statement. You know, I'll often tell, especially younger students, that make sure that you're having moments when you can enjoy life, you can laugh, you can have sweet fellowship. And they were a bit wondering, okay, why is he talking about laughter? I thought this was a theology class here. Well, because there will be a moment when you're going to cry. And in a given day, you may go from some great experience, it brings joy, your countenance is lifted, and then you get a phone call. And someone says, that's it, Pastor, I'm leaving him. A pastor, I need to tell you something. 
I've been hiding it for years. So I need to confess it to someone that's been eating me up. So in a given week, there are these varying emotions that you experience. And, and that's why we need to make sure that we, again, we were engaged with God. We're engaged in sweet fellowship with other brothers and sisters so that our countenance is lifted up because there will be things that will pull on it the other direction. In a given week, you think about, well, I have some administrative duties. I have to counsel some dear saints. I need to study for this message that's coming up as well. And then there's always the the things that are not in our schedule that just happen uh-huh. <laughs> as life just happens for us. And those phone calls, right? Yeah. Those phone calls. Yeah. I mean, I look at my calendar and my, my life is color coded. If I look at it right now yeah. and I see all these color codes and it's wonderful and this is blocked off here and this is blocked off here. And then I get a phone call. So what do I do? How do I make up for that time? I think first there must be organization. I have to think through, here's my week ahead. Here's my month ahead even. Where are my hours? And I need to block off hours. We can't just go in the moment. The pastor's life can't be a constant audible call. Here's the game plan, but there will be audibles that I have to call and make adjustments. So I have to organize. And with that organization, let me pray about even what's organized here. So my study of the word of God on a personal level. Have I given it sufficient time? Counseling God's people. Some pastors may not be engaged in this. I don't understand that. I'm not sure how you can be pastoring and not be counseling the people of God. However, here is, here is a thought, though, that, that needs to go with this. If we're shepherding, it means we're also training. And so we're training people for the work of the ministry. That's that strong sense from Ephesians chapter four. We're training them. So we need to train other counselors. We need to pour into them, prepare them, expose them to other people that have expertise in areas of biblical counseling, provide for them resources, and even you sharing your own personal experiences so you can help with the the culture of counseling that you'll have in your church. And as you train them, then you can, if you will, practice that Jethro principle where certain cases come to me and others are handled by you. I have entrusted them to you because you can't do it all. You shouldn't do it all. As a matter of fact, if a pastor is attempting to do it all, I think he's undermining biblical principles. You're you're not allowing your church to be shepherded so that they can even discover the joy of serving, the joy of experiencing their own spiritual gifts. You're holding them back. So as he thinks about his life, I'm engaged with God. Uh, I'm engaged with God's people. Uh, I've set aside some hours here for that. My family life, they they cannot uh, be set aside. So uh, my wife and I, we have a date night. So let's make sure we can keep that date night. Are there audibles that get called? Sure. So we back it off to next week or something like that. And I think sometimes she doesn't mind that because when it gets backed off, I have to really make up for it the next time around. Right? <laughs> it's, it, it raises the level of anticipation. Yeah, exactly. There it is. So you think about that as well. And then I need to block off time where I'm going to study God's word. Where is that block of time that has to be protected? And of course, their administrative 
duties that we have that there may be in a given situation, some we can give to others, talented people that enjoy doing that. So it is a, it's a constant. Yes, we have office hours even here on this campus. But when I go home, I don't always say it's over with. I can't. It continues with me. And then, you know, think about what Paul said. Paul talked about having the the daily concern for the churches. You can't turn off relationships like that. If if you're giving yourself to someone, you just can't say, oh, I'm not in the office. So I can't be concerned for them. You will be concerned for them because these are your loved ones. These are your family. So the pastor's life is, is, is broad. It comes with joys and pains and complications, but there's so much satisfaction knowing that you're doing God's will. Yeah, that, that really does help to set, I think, appropriate expectations, Carl. And you covered a lot of ground there. I want to revisit maybe sure. two things and dive yeah. down a little bit if sure. we can. You, you mentioned something about time. And I just thought, man, the tyranny of the urgent, if you don't have some things set up, time manages you, you don't manage your time. And you have to be very cautious about that. You mentioned something about personal study of the word. And one of the things that I see that drives up seminary students and pastors more than anything is they study in order to teach. They don't study in order to be changed. And then out of the overflow of that, now we teach. So you just see a, a dryness with young guys when they're just studying in order to tell somebody something else instead of I mean, this is the living word that God has given us that was intended to to change us first. And then we're telling people about the beauty of what Christ is doing. So as we think about our, our role and how we study scripture, how we grow, the, the pastor, as you said, it's broad. Maybe he's starting to get overwhelmed. And you sort of jumped into this area. And I want to bring us back to this about counseling. Tons of pastors who agree with theology in much the same way that you and I would, what we believe to be true about the Godhead, what we believe to be true about the church, what we believe to be true about the Bible, we hold it in high esteem. And then we talk about this issue of biblical counseling and soul care and shepherding, maybe the private ministry of the word. And you mentioned the Jethro principle. And I think that's really, really critical because in a lot of places that I go, I'll talk to pastors and they love the idea, but then they look at the schedule of you just described <laughs> the broad and they think, how in the world and am I going to add another spinning plate to put this on my my shoulders? And part of what I, I like to say, and I want to hear how you think about this, is it's in, biblical soul care is intended to be modeled and exampled by the pastor, but it doesn't mean he bears the sole responsibility of all the soul care that goes on in the in the church. So I want to hear you talk a little bit more about squelching some of the fears of pastors to personally engage in soul care ministry by that ministry of multiplication, discipling other guys and gals to do this work of one another. Yeah. And that's what we should be doing. How do we live a life where we can say, follow me as I follow Christ. And you make an investment in people so that they can make an investment in others. You would think that would be simple because you say it's only logical. If I can invest in three people who will invest in three people who will invest in three people, look at the return that I can gain on that. If I were to say, here's a stock that if you invest it two, you'll get 10 out of it. You would say, oh, where is it? Please, I'll make the investment right now. And so when we think about investing in people, it's so that we can reach others through our 
our reach, if you will. This is God through us, if we reverse it. It's 12 men investing in them who invested in others. And now here we are 2,000 years removed. And by the grace of God, we are who we are as a Christian body. And so as we invest in other people, we are loving others that we may never touch directly through other people that we've invested in. I was just sharing with actually students last week in one of my classes how there are relationships that I have with people in the church, and I will counsel through someone else to them. They'll come back to me, and they'll debrief with me, and I'll talk with them. Excellent. Good job. Here's a scripture that you can talk about. Here's a principle. And so not only am I still counseling that person, but I'm also engaging in a relationship with that other individual and teaching them biblical principles. I'm even, it's even a lesson in hermeneutics because I'm sharing with them, this is an, impro- an appropriate application of that text. And let me tell you why. Or that's not an appropriate application of that text, and let me tell you why. So then it's multiple lessons and benefits that are even coming from counseling. Yeah. What a discipleship tool. I think as you were describing that, I'm thinking of the old missionary adage, right? Don't catch the fish for them. Teach sure. them how to fish. And that's a part of what you're doing even as a pastor. So you're, you're helping them to understand people from a biblical perspective. You're helping them to understand the scripture and how to apply that to some of the, the issues or problems that a person is facing. Listen, Carl, this is the first time we've met, and I've really enjoyed this conversation. And I'm sure we could continue talking about shepherding the flock. It's something that you and I b- both enjoy studying about, thinking about, and participating in ourselves as we serve the body. And I look forward to uh, many more conversations that we'll get to have in the future uh, on, on topics just like this. So thank you, brother. You're listening to Truth and Love, a podcast of ACBC. Now I want to remind you of a webinar that's coming up this week, tomorrow, September the 6th, with Ed Wildy. And listen, I'm so excited about this for two reasons. Number one, Ed's going to talk about legal issues and biblical counseling. And can we not see in our culture that this battle is raging intensely? It also marks the release of our book, Legal Issues and Biblical Counseling, that Ed Wildy and I edited along with several lawyers. He's going to talk about much of the content of that book. And so I'm excited. I hope if you're a member, this is a members-only event. You can register. You'll find out information about that registration in your email. So I want to encourage you to be a part of this event, September the 6th, 6.30 p.m. Central Standard Time. Ed Wildy is going to be with us talking about legal issues and biblical counseling, and you don't want to miss that, especially to be prepared for all that's coming. I think Ed's going to help us to think through this well. You'll get to ask your questions live, so be a part of that. You can find out more information about that webinar and many other of our Truth in Love resources at biblicalcounseling.com.